Welcome to Fireside Breakdowns. I'm John. I'm Robin. And I'm Savannah. Together, we research and break down complex and even controversial topics facing our society. We always aim to bring you honest analysis backed by research to skew our bias towards what can be factually supported and to make it clear when we're giving our opinion versus speaking about actual research. We're human. We have blind spots and biases, and they will show through. However, our goal isn't to convince you to see things our way. We want to build a foundational understanding of these complicated topics so that we can address them together. We talk about some pretty heavy stuff on this show, and we tackle topics that might feel polarizing. But we do that because we have an important goal in mind. We want to change the way that people have hard conversations. And we think that we can do that using research and discussion to create common understanding. And since you're here, we hope you want the same thing. So we suggest getting comfortable and maybe having a good drink on hand as we work through this stuff. Welcome to our fireside. like welcome to fireside unscripted which is what i put in the title card it's good um (laughs) this the show where we endeavor to bring you honest analysis backed by research every other recording except for this one this is all opinion all the time this is captain crunch oops all opinion and john's shoveling ice cream and And ice cream all opinion and Mm -hmm. ice cream Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. I will mute myself most of the time. Please do, because um, I'm going to stab you through the computer if I have to hear you chew. Oh, no, I hate listening chew. to people chew myself. <laughs> I hate listening to people chew. Just for the record, though, that was a bite of cheesecake. The ice cream will come afterwards. That's backwards. Ah, delicious. It's whatever I want it to be. I'm an adult. I'm just going to disagree about that. Well, you're wrong, so... So we're going to talk There's about an objectively correct way to how eat this. to respectfully disagree. Yeah. Are, are we? That's the goal. And evidently, John and Robin both brought cue cards and are prepared with their notes. I understood the assignment. I was told. I was told. I get one index card, and I only ha- actually have three lines on here, but I'm oh. going to use it to make notes while y'all are talking. So that I don't That's a good idea. Track. Let me do that. The restraint is impressive. Um, yeah, I actually did not make an index card. Listen, how are you going to leave me out here looking like the only nerd? Oh, because that was the plan all along. <laughs> do Should've you known. think? Do you think I have my shit together enough to actually make a card of points? No, no, no I don't. I'm going to make this up on the fly as i go and endeavor not to sound like a total idiot that's okay that is an envelope it is not an index card (laughs) ma'am yeah you fold that shit in half you have exceeded the size constraints i don't even have a pencil though so i feel like i am woefully unprepared (laughs) i I would hand you one of my million (laughs) markers if i could i will just take notes on my phone and also text people um So who's uh, kicking this off? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess I guess we should provide a little bit of background, I guess, uh, as to why we're uh, talking about this. Yes. Why? Why are we talking about 
how the hell to respectfully disagree with somebody. Apparently, unscripted John cusses a lot more. Oh, yeah. By the way. No, and it's, well, it's not after 10 o'clock here yet, but this is the unscripted mouth, so spicy edit it is. Do you not curse before 10 p.m.? No, my kids joke and call that my after 10 p.m. mouth because it's like I can keep it together until about 10 o'clock, and then it's like every other word is a creative use of explicit language. So they call it my after 10 o'clock mouth. Then I also have... Mine's geographically enabled when I get within a certain radius of my mother's house. (laughs) It fails a lot more than it used to, though. Yeah. So why? Why are we talking about this? And why are we swearing? So a dear listener, a dear listener, uh, reached out to me this past week and said, hey, my wife and I are really enjoying the podcast. It's really helping us understand more about perspectives that we had never thought about before, things that are new to us. But we have some people in our lives that don't agree with these perspectives, and we would like to be able to have conversations with them. Have you ever thought about doing an episode on how to respectfully disagree with somebody? Um, And I thought that was a really interesting question because the whole purpose of this podcast is to hopefully help people get to common ground through research and information. But inevitably, there are going to be those things that we just don't agree on. And so if we're going to help people have hard conversations, one of the ways that we can do that is to help people learn how to disagree respectfully. For myself, I since John shoveling more ice cream into his face. Um, <laughs> I think it. we should level set also, uh, like when we're having these hard conversations with people, um, you're going to have people who are going to blatantly argue with you regardless. They don't want to hear the information. They don't want to hear the facts. They just want to have their opinions heard. Um, sometimes I am that person also. So um, – We have to take into account whether we're actually speaking to someone who has the ability to see another perspective or if they are, they have their heels so dug in that they're unwilling to at least listen to your perspective. I'm not saying that they have to agree, but are they willing to listen to your perspective without cursing you out or without insulting you or um, stuff like that? So, yeah. Now, there is a trick to that. One of the one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is because it, uh, like Savannah said, and like Robin said, like being able to both communicate complicated information to somebody and do it in such a way that they're actually going to listen to you is one of the hardest problems that I think any of us are ever going to face. And frankly, we're all guilty of shutting down in the face of information that we wish weren't true. Um, I know, for example, the, uh, the Instagram account that we brought up last week, um, dear white staffers brings up a lot of information that I really don't wish were true Mm -hmm. because there are people that I personally want to be as I imagine them, imagine them to be (laughs) that are not. Um, and that really sucks, Mm -hmm. but it's the world we live in and I want to talk about specifically what I would like to focus on is how you get to that point where somebody who doesn't agree with you generally is still willing to have the conversation with you. Um, So I have thoughts on that, um, but I'll kick it back to you, Robin, and 
you can you can start this round robin of like what do you do what do you do when somebody is like i don't agree with what you're saying and i just kind of don't like you because of that yeah no that's really hard and i think um the the first thing that i try to do in these situations again i will include the caveat that I am opinionated and I am informed most of the time. And so a lot of times I have a difficult, uh, it, it is difficult for me to be willing to have that conversation where there is concession. Um, but the first thing that I try to do personally is to understand their core concern. Uh, the place that I work that is part of our corporate culture We say it all the time and it sounds super cliche, but the idea is when you're in a conflict with somebody, you always seek first to understand what are you concerned about? What are you afraid of? What are you angry about? You you always want to understand the other person's perspective because when we can understand why a person seems to feel so strongly about what they feel strongly about, we can then speak to the concern rather than the trappings, the arguments, the specific points that they're speaking loudly through. Be curious, not furious. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, I think politics and, and abortion and religion, these are all perfect examples of this, where people say what they say and they believe what they believe at a reflection of core beliefs And if you can speak to those beliefs and address those beliefs respectfully, very often they're more willing to have that conversation with you because you're not disregarding what's important to them, even if you disagree with the pieces of information that are being discussed. People want to be heard and they want their perspectives validated, even if they do not align with yours. Yeah. Well, I have an example of a disagreement, um, I work with a team of about 12 engineers inside of my office and I'm their boss also. Um, And we are very opinionated (laughs) and we have a plethora of uh, different various opinions and we get heated sometimes Mm -hmm. when we talk about things. Um, And as the boss, I'm kind of like, "Um, all right, I sense a a shift in tone and I have to shut down certain conversations because they're – Uh, They're getting disrespectful, Uh, Mm -hmm. so I have had to put my foot down a few times. But for the most part, we are able to sit there and just look at the other person and be like, you know, I just – I don't understand why you would see it this way. I think NFTs are ridiculous. So um, (laughs) we can just (laughs) – we also joke around and we have a good um, background with each other anyway. So we're not going to feel like we are not being heard. Um, But one specific example – Uh, I'm a big fan of reading congressional reports, the investigative reports done um, by Congress. Super big fan of them. We love the CRS. Oh, man. I love reading. Like I've read Benghazi, 9-11, and then the CIA torture report. That's like the most recent one that I got to read. And so, uh, of course, Hillary gets brought up in her email situation and people start going off about Benghazi. And I um, mentioned, I was like, well, the um, congressional report on it was bipartisan. And, you know, they they came to the conclusions and like I got cut off like kind of mid-sentence. Um, and they were like, it's not bipartisan. That is not a bipartisan report. And I'm like, 
I know it, it is. And so we sat there and brought up the report and sat there and looked at the different senators and where they come from. And I was like, I, I was getting very frustrated because I'm like, I see the senators have R and D next to them. I'm confused about how it's not bipartisan. Right. <laughs> and um, right. like it, the definition of bipartisan stands as this and this meets the criteria. So I'm confused. So I was trying to understand why this individual was so adamant that it wasn't bipartisan. And I was like, I kept on asking questions. I was like, why do you, why, why is this like, why are you not willing to see that it's bipartisan? And it came down to uh, the majority of the written paper is done by the Democrats. And there is a dissenting opinion that's written at the bottom of the paragraph or at the bottom of the report by the, some of the Republican senators that disagreed with what the majority of the report said. And I was like, okay, I understand that you don't think it's bipartisan, but their dissenting opinion is also part of the report. Therefore, mm-hmm. it is a yeah. bipartisan report. And so he just shook his head and was like, I'm not going to agree. And I'm like, okay, but me going off the definitions, me going off of having read the report, I'm like, it meets my criteria. I don't need to see get you to see it a different way. I know that it's bipartisan. <laughs> and that was like the end of the conversation. But it was very much – but I got to his perspective and I asked questions about like why do you think it's not bipartisan? Yeah. And we were able to come to an understanding of his understanding of bipartisan. He was just swearing that the Democrats were refusing to listen to anything the Republicans said. And I was like, no, here's the facts. And we just kind of like shook our heads and went back to our desk. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I had a nickel, right, a, a lot of what drives the conflict in our society about these complicated conversations is the fact that we do not have a shared definition of terms oh my God. for a lot of these things. Yes. Um, so, and, and usually that's driven off of this emotional state. Like, it's not bipartisan unless mm-hmm. my people are in charge of it. Right. right now, if my people were in charge of it, I bet you he'd say, well, yeah, it's bipartisan or unless uh, there were an even split and the I don't I don't know how it would work, but like you could highlight whose opinion was whose throughout the cable. like, it, And that's not how things work. But unless something is held up very obviously in front of somebody even more so than look these people are on this and they sh- they have r's and d's next to their names um there's this cognitive dissonance that'll occur um to pull people back into what they want to believe uh in the face of these facts and there's some really interesting studies ab- out there about how presenting factual information to somebody that contradicts their beliefs does not uh, reduce that person's belief in their incorrect or um, whatever opinion that is not entirely factually true. It just reinforces it for them and they dig in harder. Mm -hmm. And part of that, I don't know. I'm I'm guessing that part of that goes back to this sort of stubbornness, um, this resistance to authority that is beyond party and it is more like an american sort of touch like cultural touchstone like at least the way i see it like we sort of wear it as a badge of pride that authority doesn't have a huge um say over all that we do or at least 
subconsciously. Right. And I think it goes back to things like the Boston Tea Party and uh, breaking away from England and we're this independent country and we're rugged and we go out and we made our own way in the West and we did the Oregon Trail and like rugged individualism is sort of this overriding theme in American folklore. Mm -hmm. And I think it resonates on a cultural level when we're presented with information that contradicts what we want to see. We all have sort of uh, subconsciously integrated that rugged individualist mindset and find a way to dig in our heels whenever we realize we're wrong. I also think it's just more human than that. I was about too. to say, it's it's a psychological phenono- phenomenon of... Anyway, a psychological phenomenon... I can't even do it again. Oh, I changed keys. Oh, no, that's worse. Anyway, there is a psychological aspect of it because... You can look at it when you are, I'll bring it back to my Facebook post um, about relationships. If you disagree with how someone's uh, spouse is treating them, um, if you sit there and tell them, hey, they're shitty, they're not good, here are all the facts about why they're not good, it's the person is going to hop into defense mode because mm-hmm. otherwise it'll break down their entire understanding of their life, of their self, of their treatment of self, of what they're putting their kids through. And so if you apply that yeah. to uh, an American standpoint, like if if X, Y, and Z is true, then we need to look at the fabric of our society. And if that unravels, then people like their ego shatters and that no yeah. one enjoys that. Cognitive dissonance is a bitch. Yeah. We've lashed so much importance um, to being American Mm -hmm. and what that means on the world stage. And like we're, we have a whole song about it that's played at like every sporting event ever. We're proud to be an American, right? And I don't think we reflect on what that means. um, And I think it sort of leads to this mentality that America can do no wrong. Yeah. To a lot of people subconsciously and so when you bring out something that america is doing wrong pretty objectively it will cause them to really resist like savannah was saying it will cause if they accepted it they would have to question their entire belief system about what it means to be american mm-hmm. and their identity is challenged at that point yeah and i think we have so conflated correctness rightness with justness with truth with righteousness in this country because so much of our identity is conflated with with the founding fathers and religious freedom and and all of these mandates that we kind of see as making up the American exceptionalism that it is almost un-American to be wrong on on any front. And we see this, yeah. I think politics is a, a perfect example of this, each side is accusing the other side of being un-American because they're wrong, because they disagree. And I think we have to separate correctness, having the facts right, with from all of these other things if we're going to have these conversations that are difficult and we're going to have conversations with people that we disagree with. Well, during these conversations too, I think it's perfectly acceptable to sit there and ask the person like, what do what do you see is being taken away from you if 
you are not correct in this scenario. Like step outside of yeah. the two-way dialogue and look at it uh, like an outsider and ask them like, what are you feeling about this? Like, why are you uh, not accepting of breastfeeding in public or, you know, abortion rights right. or like, how is this impacting you? And start asking about their humanity in order to understand why they yeah. are so yeah. against it. That's a phrase that well, I use I a lot is help me understand. Help me understand why yeah. this feels so significant to you. Help me understand why this feels like it would cause a problem. Because then mm -hmm. you're giving them the opportunity to step into that educator role and feel heard because they're explaining to you why this is important. Yeah. And I think, Savannah, you said you think it's acceptable. I would go one step further. I don't think it's just acceptable. I think it is the preferential yeah. path to take. Getting back to the topic at hand, how do you talk to people when you're having these very difficult conversations? I think it is that is the route that you should take at first mm -hmm. is ask questions. And it, that is how most of us can communicate empathy most uh, succinctly mm -hmm. is displaying genuine curiosity yeah. and asking, seeking to understand. So you encounter somebody that has an opinion that is, you know, 180 degrees opposed to your own the instinct that we all have is it's primal really is to defend our our territory our idea and like no you're wrong and let me tell you why and i think using this questioning method the socratic method as it's referred to in in college using questions to get the person to explain and explore their stance without confronting them about it is a more effective way to get them to actually think about the information that you're trying to present. So for example, I have a story that I have been sitting on for this particular uh, podcast. I had a conversation with a young woman uh, late mid last week, and we were discussing we were discussing a lot of things and it started out with, uh, with, uh, doctors and how the medical practice in the United States is, uh, in their opinion, in her opinion, uh, it is, it is basically corrupt and the doctors don't know very much and they always misprescribe you. And, you know, I started exploring that, like, well, why do you think that is? And could it be, uh, more nuanced than that? And it got to a point where I didn't change her mind or anything, but where she started out saying that all doctors were terrible at their jobs, she at least said, well, some of them are obviously trying to do the right thing, um, but by and large, doctors are bad at their jobs. So it's like inter incre incremental progress. And she never felt like I was forcing her to change her mind or attacking her. Now that conversation went off the rails <laughs> very rapidly after that. And I have already previewed this to, to I think Robin at one point, but um, she, she, she then moved on to explain how, um, <clears throat> how white people were more evolved than black people. And, um, how that was not, that was scientific fact. 
uh, and and she she pulled the cheers of you know studies have been done studies have shown mm-hmm. you know there are studies about this what studies? and i was like cite your sources that's what that's exactly what i said i said so what studies tell me your mm-hmm. studies so um, we can decredit them well <laughs> you don't say that part out loud you say what studies right. because maybe maybe there's a, a genuine study out there that's peer-reviewed and well-researched and blind. the science is replicable and you know great i mean i don't think it would show that <laughs> what she was claiming but right maybe there's something out there i doubt it um but the point being this tactic doesn't always work actually because i asked her i said hey um you know what studies who did the studies can you at least tell me what they're about and if i and when i did that she got mad at me mm-hmm. She's like, it's not my job to convince you. You go do the research. You look it up. And I was like, well, um, don't want that in in my search history. Thank you. (laughs) Right. Uh, Eugenics. The beginning. (laughs) Yeah. No. Um, How about how about no? Um, Which is wrong. Like, logically speaking, from a logic perspective, from a discourse perspective, if you make a claim from a science perspective, if you make a claim, you have the burden of providing the evidence to support the claim just for our listeners out there. That's your responsibility. Yeah. That's how we have honest and and um, what's the phrase that I want to f- use? Um, like on the level, good faith conversations. Mm-hmm. You you don't put the burden on the other person. Um, but that leads me to the next thing that I would like to talk about and hear your thoughts on is how do you then, if you're trying to display this empathy, if you're trying to get them to sort of explore their viewpoint by asking them the questions, what happens when you get to a viewpoint that is offensive or toxic or personally an assault on you or your 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 friends? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you tolerate that? Because some people hold truly offensive opinions. You don't tolerate it. You would remove yourself from that presence and never speak to them again. I think that's a pretty um, yeah. easy response. <laughs> Well, okay, so I, I will, I think the Kenny Rogers approach to this is, is pretty standard. You got to know when to hold them, and you got to know when to fold them, right? Know when to walk away. Exactly. But we can't always walk away from the person forever and never talk to them again. Sometimes that is just, uh, it's not logistically reasonable, and when you do a cost-benefit analysis, sometimes uh, you have to determine whether or not that is a cost you're willing to incur. Uh, for example, um, I had a situation this past weekend where someone that I am personally connected to uh, announced at the lunch table that Indians sacrifice their babies to alligators. Like people from India sacrifice their babies to alligators. I have seen that propaganda in the cartoons. Have y'all seen them? Um, no. I the only that... ca- the only cartoons that I am aware of are like the the early nineteen hundreds black babies as alligator babies yes. cartoons. Yeah, that one. That's what I'm um, speaking of. I don't know but, about this other claim. Right, and and she said this with as much good faith as. She possibly could have. Um, And my immediate response, normally I can gauge my response well. My immediate response was I just looked up from what I was doing and said, absolutely not. Well, I mean, at least until recently, yes, yes, they did. No, absolutely not. That is untrue. Did I know it was untrue? 
at that time. Absolutely. No, I had yeah. no clue it was untrue at that time. But there was no way that I was letting that shit fly at the table. Right. Um, and yeah. I did Google it and I cannot find anything that would indicate that that is, was, or has ever been true. Um, but, but that's not a situation where we can just walk away from that person forever. That's not mm -hmm. a cost that I'm willing to incur for myself or for my children. Um, but I think we can absolutely hold our ground and we can refuse to make space for that. I think it's okay when you're in a situation like that that's completely intolerant to shut it down. Right. Allow me to provide some context for a statement that Robin made. Uh, this is a person that Robin's children will be around a yeah, lot. Yeah, no, I gathered and that. That's why I'm like... She didn't... She didn't preface that when, you, when she started no, the story, I didn't. so it, um, did, it did come out of, of nowhere. No. Well, so. I think if yeah. we have people in our lives that we're going to disagree with, I mean, that's part of being human. We're not all going to have the same opinions, thank goodness. Uh, I think that there can come a time when you know that there are certain topics you're not going to bring up with someone right. that, yeah, and you, like, I have a friend. Uh, we disagree on a lot. And so we actually have a list of things that we are not going to speak about because I, I, love I, that. I <laughs> and, and that's healthy. Yeah, really. that's great. And we joke about it. But um, yeah, I'm like, I'm we get into that like realm and I'm like, and I just am going to shut down and he knows that. And but yeah, I think that there are ways that you can continue relationships with people without um allowing harm to come to yourself by hearing that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I yeah. will not allow racist jokes to be said around me. And I have put up that boundary with mm -hmm. quite a few people. Um, and yeah, I just think that you are, if there is something where they are disagreeing with you and you cannot change their mind and you cannot let them see the humanity of the decisions and choices that they're making, you can easily say, I am not going to speak to you about this. Um, if we can't talk about it respectfully and your current stance on it is not respectful. So I'm not going to be around yeah. you. And I, I think that sometimes that's feedback too, that people need. If enough, if enough people are willing to draw that boundary with them, sometimes that can be enough to cause us to reflect without direct external feedback like if enough people put up that wall it may cause someone to be like oh no one will talk to me about this and maybe i'm the ostracization is a societal push towards change and i think it's beneficial and some people should be shut down and ostracized for certain things uh, until they get their perspective in order and then they can rejoin the herd but right i i agree um, as with everything on our show, I think there's a little more nuance though, to the, um, like my original question of like, when somebody expresses the, the terrible idea, do you just leave? And part of what allows me to have a nuanced answer is the fact that I'm a white dude. So a lot of these topics don't have a direct impact on me. And I understand that, you know, if somebody is racist, I'm not the target of that racism. And I have choices there. I can choose to shut them down and walk away. And sometimes I do. But I don't default to that most of the time because a lot of people are products of their environment 
And it's something we have to keep in mind. A lot of people are only as good as the information that they've been exposed to. Mm-hmm. And I try to keep in mind where this person might be coming from when they express these ideas. So in the case of this woman that I was speaking with, I don't think I don't think she thinks she's racist, which is common, but I also don't think she understands the depth of how terrible that idea is. And I don't think she, I, I think she is a victim is too strong of a word. She is a product of a system that did not educate her enough mm-hmm. to be critical of the sources that she was drawing these conclusions from because she, her, the reasoning for her, her idea was very much like, well, it's just based in science. You know, it's the fact of X, Y, Z. And if you look at history and it's not about like, oh, well, they're just, you know, monkeys, right? Or something. Did she say that? That, Did, hmm, that yeah. they're monkeys? No, no, because that would have been different. That's not okay. what she said. If she had said that, I'd be like, okay, there's no saving okay. you. Just you are just making sure person. we know that there is a line in acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to express. Like the what she was expressing and the way she was expressing it leads me to believe that it is a product of misunderstanding more than genuine derision for people based on their DNA mm-hmm. or whatever. She does not know enough about it. She has fallen into the Dunning-Kruger Valley where she that's knows fair. a lot. She is a smart person, but she doesn't know enough to know that she doesn't know mm-hmm. enough. And so she thinks she knows a lot more than she really does. She thinks she understands a lot more than she really does. And of course, here I am. Who am I to say that, you know, she's she's dumber than she is or she doesn't know as much as she thinks she does? I, I'm just me. I'm not a psychologist. But um, it, to me, gives me the opportunity to try and question her and get her to change. I think it is, there is a possibility there. And that is an evaluation that must be done constantly. Mm-hmm. And it has to be done in good faith and honestly with yourself. Like, are you talking to this person because you truly believe that there is redemption there? There is a way to bring them around or because you really want there to be for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And you're holding on for selfish reasons, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, And I have cut plenty of people out of my life for being overtly racist and saying terrible things like porch monkeys. There was one guy that launched that one off at me and I was like, you're being really racist. Bye. And I haven't talked to him since Uh, because there's no like that sort of vile, that sort of, uh, let me say, stereotyping of of an individual without any consideration for anything is just something that's deep in them and has been taught or raised in them. I can't challenge right. that. So, I, but I acknowledge that I have the ability to do these things because it doesn't impact me directly. And that is a very privileged position to take. So I want to bring up uh, more ways we can have these discussions uh, respectfully. Uh, we've so far covered using the Socratic method to ask questions uh, to make sure that uh, we are laying a foundation of shared definitions so everyone's on the same page to be curious and not furious. Um, and 
I wanted to bring up one that gets a little spicy, but is still respectful. It's my favorite way to handle certain situations. So when people are stating a, a very broad opinion of how they think someone should be or certain rights or certain uh, privileges that, yeah, I'm just going to go right to it. All right. So the abortion talk, mm-hmm. when people mm-hmm. start talking about how people who have abortions are, you know, X, Y, and Z, or, you know, they should just keep their legs closed and all of the different things that you hear surrounding abortion and they get heated and they're insulting. And I look at them and I'm like, you know, I've had an abortion, right? And I bring my experience, my direct experience to the conversation and the look on their faces when they realize that mm-hmm. what they view as being this awful and terrible thing has been in their life for years and didn't talk about something. And it's not just abortion. It's stuff like the fact that I'm bisexual when they talk about how horrible the gays are. And I'm like, you, you, right. you, you Yo, know right. I'm gay, right? This is easily my most favorite way to handle these kinds of disrespectful opinions and it is very effective because either it shuts them up and they're embarrassed or they are able to see a different side of the discussion because before I mentioned or came up with all of my my truth um, I was just someone who was arguing another side and then when I bring my humanity to it I'm like I am X, Y, and Z. I am no longer just a dissenting opinion. I am a lived experience. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my favorite thing to do because their no, faces are one. hilarious. Oh it's my God. very effective. Yeah. My- I used it on a much smaller scale with my tattoos and my, <laughs> <laughs> my family. Yep. <laughs> tattoos are bad. I got one. It's huge. Yeah. And then you bring you bring the awfulness in their living room and they yeah. are uncomfortable. <laughs> right. And, and But they realize that like, you haven't like you have been this person the entire time or a large portion of the time that they've known you and you've been this wonderful person you've done these great things for them most likely you have been a friend to them and it's a very effective way of shattering those perceptions those beliefs that they've got because suddenly though the the woman who has an abortion is just my friend right who is a wonderful person and mother and how what this doesn't compute the guy who has the tattoo isn't some loser who has never accomplished anything and and creepy he he doesn't live in his mom's basement that's weird that's not what i imagine how i view a tattooed person though i'm sorry that's that was a weird (laughs) there's a lot of there's a there's a range of perceptions about tattoos i definitely don't live in my mother's basement do you have a tattoo robin i do nice yeah she's inked up i do she's just covered that's why she Head wears that's why, high neck. That's, high that's neck where we're working the, the jumpsuit today. Long pants. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. This might be an exaggeration. I'm sorry. I cut you off earlier, Robin. What were you going to say? Oh, shit. I don't remember. <laughs> Called you out. Caught you well, out. Do y'all have other ways Before to... I so rudely interrupted myself. <laughs> do y'all have ways that um, you handle, like, specific tactics that you use? Uh, well, okay. So, yes, I do. Um, and that's generally when I'm dealing with somebody who I know is bringing bluster to the table. They're bringing the headlines that they've heard without a deeper understanding of what's behind them. 
Um, there are several people in my life that do that, but we actually have a Slack channel dedicated to these kinds of difficult conversations at work. And wow. very often, I know, it's it's my favorite channel. Fireside is featured, yeah. <laughs> featured in this we've channel. We've actually, uh, people have shared our <laughs> podcast there and um, we've gotten some topic ideas from there before. But one thing that I always try to do is encourage someone to help me find the information that you're using to gather that. And man, bonus points if it's from a generally non-biased source, a generally accepted source. So I don't want CNN and I don't want OANN, right? I don't want either extreme. Can you point me to a reference article? Can you point me to a study? Can you help me find your sources? Sometimes it works. It doesn't always work, right? Sometimes people come back with bluster. But usually that's a good cue that what they're speaking off of is emotional, not factual. They don't have information that they're working from. They're working from a different concern, a different feeling, or they've just been caught out. And if they've just been caught out, the conversation dies. But sometimes we have an opportunity to dig into the feeling or what they're afraid is going to happen. Like That's a lot of what happened with this conversation around inflation and gas prices and all this stuff is people get really amped and really hyped and they want to take a very polarized perspective on it. But when it comes down to it, their fear is that our economy is going to get so out of hand that they're not going to be able to take care of their family. Yeah. I can understand that concern and I can speak to that without having to speak to the, the polarized, really angry, partisan conversation. Because I can speak to your concern and show you why... Many, many economists don't agree that that's going to happen. I think acknowledging their humanity and their perspective will probably calm them down also. Mm-hmm. If you hear like, oh, yeah, you don't want to not be able to take care of your kids. You don't want your kids to starve. I understand that. I also don't want my kids to starve. And you find a common ground of like, I also don't want that. So let's talk about the topic. Yeah. Um, and, and very often when you have the opportunity to say, this is why I don't believe that that's going to happen. This is why I'm confident that this is how things are going to look going forward. They're much more receptive to that than mm-hmm. if you just say, well, I think your sources are crap and I disagree and I think you're completely wrong and you must be stupid. Wow. Did you listen to my conversation from last week? Because that sounds exactly <laughs> like what I said. <laughs> Oh, no. I'm not always the most fun to argue with. <laughs> no, I've I've had my share and I I can absolutely be accused of not understanding fully or not not being willing to acknowledge why I'm engaging in a conversation like this. I think that's really crucial before we start having these conversations where we disagree respectfully. I can disagree with you respectfully all day long, but my goal is to win. <laughs> And that's not I'm gonna bury you, sucker. And that's not that the intent of that is not respectful. I think we have to understand yeah. why we're willing to engage in these conversations and what the stakes are. Because if it's some random Joe at the gas station, I don't have a strong why as to why I'm gonna try to convince you or disagree with you respectfully. I don't. I can just let that go because the likelihood that I'm gonna have any impact on your actual opinion is really low. But when I'm talking to somebody who's in my family, my why is really strong. 
because I want for you to understand this perspective, why I think what I think and why it's hurtful to me that you think that what you think. So, Mm -hmm. so knowing why I'm engaging in these conversations is, is like my core tactic. It goes along with that seek first to understand, like, why am I having this conversation? Do I just want to win? Do I just want to prove you wrong because I disagree with the idea? Or do I think that I can add value to your life by bringing you to a different place of understanding? How often do you find that you, it's the latter and it's, you it's actually not just wanting to win. Yeah. Do you ever acknowledge that and realize that you're like, I want to win and do uh-huh. you pull yourself back? I do. I do actually. Um, there are several, especially these Slack conversations when I'll like miss, you know, part of the discussion and someone will tag me in them because they know that I'm going to come in hard and fast. I'm going to come in with strong information and yeah, I, I know I've been part of your the signal conversations that we have. And I'm like, oh, man, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> but there have been so many times that I've written out just a whole paragraph of things and then deleted it. Because because my intention, number one, was not to seek first to understand. And my intention was to try to prove that my thought is better, that my opinion is better, that my perspective is better, that my information is better. And that's not who I want to be. Information should not be a weapon. It should be a tool. I have thoughts about this. Um, Circling back uh, to the Socratic method, um, I'll tie it into what Robin is saying about not using information as a weapon. So... There was someone in my life that I was very close to that used the Socratic method on me all the time. Like that was every single conversation was these pointed questions that were trying to lead me to mm-hmm. his viewpoint, which was dripping with condensation, condescension, not condensation. <laughs> Although both are grammatically correct. The questions were so moist. Uh, Dripping with moistness. No. Dripping with condescension. And um, I felt it. And as a receiver of the Socratic method, I felt like I was being spoken down to. Mm -hmm. And it felt like the the method of Socratic um, speaking was very manipulative. Especially because there, it, it was under the guise of, well, why don't you view it like this? Or uh, what if – it was just – it was the worst interactions ever because every single conversation was from a place of, I already know where this answer is going. I'm going to get you there and I'm going to be very condescending while we're on this journey of Socratic method. And I'm like, this is awful. So – it felt like information was being weaponized against me. And it wasn't even like it was um, less factual um, mm-hmm. information. It was more uh, feeling and like experience related, which was really condescending. I think you can ask Socratic method stuff about facts and it'll come off a lot less condescending maybe. But I think if we are going to ask these questions and use the Socratic method – we must be sure not to be condescending because you're going to come off like a giant prick and your information is yes. not going to land well. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. That was... I'm going to tie both of them together. You have to check your intent and you have to be willing to be mm-hmm. wrong if you're going to have these these difficult conversations. And I think that's the hardest part for anybody to get is you have to be comfortable finding out you're wrong about something. Oh, God, it's the worst. Because if you're though, not, it's the worst. oh, God, it sucks <laughs> so much because you're worst. like, well, what about this? And they're like X, Y, Z. And you're like, fuck. Yep. You're right. Yeah. So you got to be willing to admit. What do I do now? And the thing is, yeah, if you can't get there, if you can't approach with that intent to truly listen and to truly understand and to admit when, oh, my my perception is the one that's wrong, what you're going to end up doing is doubling down on the parts where you feel more confident when you're called out on the mm-hmm. parts where you're wrong and you're going to very rapidly get into that very condescending yeah. sort of, you know, manipulation. Um, and I, I speak from experience on this one because I, one of my biggest shortcomings when I have these discussions is slipping into that sort of pattern of, well, I know the answer and I know you know the answer. So I'm going to ask you this question and it's probably going to come off condescending as hell because you can tell, you can tell when you are being led somewhere, you can tell when the person you're talking with isn't engaging uh, in this discussion with an, a, a, with in good faith. That's that phrase that I Mm -hmm. keep coming back to. You can tell when the person you're talking to isn't there to actually have a discussion. They're there to lecture, even if they're asking They have a map in their head of where the conversation's going Mm -hmm. to go. And if you don't abide by that map, it's not going to go well for anyone. Yeah. And I I would say as someone who um, is more likely to be on the giving end of that than they are on the receiving end, if you find yourself in that situation and someone really wants to disagree with you and really lead you down this path and you don't feel equipped to respond effectively and in a way that you feel like communicates your perspective, it's absolutely okay to stop them and say, I don't feel like this conversation is happening in good faith. I'm going to back out of this. Maybe we can try talking about it again another time. It's okay to to shut that down because... Otherwise, you'll feel backed into a corner and you'll either flare up or give in and you're just enabling bad behavior, which I will call out on myself. Sometimes it's purely bad behavior and that has to be called out or we don't get the opportunity to correct it. I'm so glad that we accept the nuance of not just... I don't know. I'm really enjoying this humanity portion of, you know, you recognize that you do this method and it can be bad. It can also be beneficial, but. Right. Yeah, that's, I appreciate this. (laughs) (laughs) A healing moment. (laughs) Right. Before we get to, before we run out of time, actually, holy crap, it's been almost an hour already. Um, The, the one thing I wanted to mention is my tactic. (laughs) just going back to that question, my tactic that I fall back on most is not trying to win the entire war in one conversation. Mm -hmm. You're not, unless you are 
Jesus Christ or somebody of equally charismatic persuasions, a.k.a. you have the ability of a god, um, you're not going to get somebody to completely change their worldview or their belief about especially a contentious Mm -hmm. topic in one conversation. So when you're having these difficult conversations, try to rid yourself of that mentality of I'm going to change your mind whether you want it or not and get to a place where all I want to do is get you to think more deeply about this. All I want you to do is to consider a different viewpoint. Influence. I don't want you to Mm -hmm. change your mind. Just want you to think. Influence doesn't have to be forced. Um, Yeah. And, And if you look at how these massive cultural shifts happen in our population it doesn't happen all at once it happens with a steady drumbeat have you thought about this have you thought Mm -hmm. about this have you thought about this have you thought about immigrants taking your job have you thought about the fact that they come from mexico have you thought about the fact that cartels are making them worse have you thought about this have you thought about this and suddenly you have a whole slew of people who have been forced to think about this thing forced in air quotes um, that believe that immigrants are bad, right? And it didn't happen overnight. There's always been that contingent, but it got worse progressively as more people had to think about it. That's also how we have good cultural right. shifts, don't get me wrong. Have you thought about the negative impacts of forcing women to carry pregnancies to birth when they are not ready, when they cannot do so, when it will kill them, Right. right? Probably not. Or if you have, you've rationalized it away. So let's explore that. Why are you rationalizing it? Yeah. Did you cover all your topics on your card, Robin? I did. I got seek for us to understand. I got understand your why. And I got no one to fold them. Checked them off. (laughs) Nice. So, yeah, let's summarize. Savannah, you did a good job of this earlier. So can you summarize, like the tactics that we have talked about to this point. All right. To wrap up how to have uh, respectful disagreements, we have be curious, not furious. Uh, Ask questions using the Socratic method, uh, but don't be condescending while you're doing it. Be willing to be wrong when you're coming into the uh, discussion. Lay a platform of shared, shared definitions for mutual understanding. Understand what your why is before you begin the discussion. Use your lived experience and understand that they also have theirs. Walk away and don't try to win the war in one battle. I think that's a pretty good blueprint if I ever did hear one. Yeah. And really what it all adds up to is having genuine, empathetic, informed conversations with somebody. Make the human connection first. Focus on the discussion about their ideas second. Mm-hmm. I hope this helps out uh, our podcast listeners who specifically requested this topic. Yes. And if it did help you out, drop us a note at uh, Uh You can send us a message, as I said. You can ask questions there find our show notes. There will be very minimal show notes for this one because it was unscripted and there's no research. This is all just gut feeling. This will also serve as a reminder that this whole episode has been opinion. So we probably got some stuff wrong, especially when I'm waxing stupidly about 
philosophy and stuff. And you can find links to our social media. Please follow us on Instagram. That would be awesome. Do we have good news for this week? Okay, I have something that is good. Every day before the Broadway musical show The Lion King comes on the stage during the month of February, the four actors and actresses who play the uh, young lions, um, Simba and Nala, seek out one of the other performers and tell them a historical fact or figure that they know uh, during Black History Month. And so there's an exchange right before the curtain rolls up of knowledge and understanding of um, Black History Month between the young children. And this ritual has been going on for 17 years. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And the children enjoy the challenge because they know that it's like, that's what they do. And so it's become a ritual for Broadway's The Lion King. So if you ever go... If you ever go to New York City and see the Lion King, know that uh, during February, they're spitting facts back there. That's super cool. cool. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for our very first Fireside Unscripted. We hope that you have a wonderful week. And until we are back with you again, remember to take care of each other. Mm